Literature and Psychology by Dr. Saideh Malik Afzali, Dr. Daniel Rockers, and Dr. Alex Andrade from Tabana Organization. Tabana is a non-profit mental health organization organized in Sacramento, California. Tabana seeks to help individuals and families to strengthen their capabilities and to thrive. Aired on Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 1 o'clock weekly. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. I'm sitting with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, two of my colleagues from Tabana Organization. Uh, for those of you who have not listened to us yesterday, this is the continuation of uh, yesterday's conversation. We were yesterday um, in the field playing golf and uh, two of my colleagues and friends were my instructors to teach me how to play, which was very fun. And I love starting this um, sport, which I always wanted to. And in general, as we were talking yesterday in the field, I've always been doing some sports. And I was always from um, pretty much, I would say, junior high all the way to college. And then later in life, I was always playing and I was always active uh, physically. Um, so it was not hard for me to move my body or to move my arms, but um, it's not as easy as it sounds because we already have talked about golf and we have said some people think it's a very easy sport and some um, actually think it, people who are in the golf course, they're just having fun and enjoying drinking beer, eating and um joking and laughing and talking and they're just going to the cart uh, following the, the ball to get the ball but uh, I learned that it's very technical so you have to really keep your posture you have to really know combination of four or five things in your mind at the time that you're hitting the ball your arms had to be right on the club the way you um, bend your knees and then the parallel keeping your feet um, apart and then also the swing part which sounds easy but it's very difficult all at once you have to think of all these things so this was what i learned yesterday and we talked about it we um, report in the field and also we came back to the studio and we talked about um, our experiences so today i want to give it in the hands of dr rockers who is um, pretty uh, expert in golf and i want him to continue talking about it Especially the Masters. I think he knows like a lot of history just naturally off the Masters. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We both don't know a lot about the Masters. I've watched the Masters. You want to know how many times I've watched the Masters, Daniel? How many? As many times as I've played in the Masters. All right. That's how many times I've watched it. Uh, so you said you did not watch it, see it yesterday? No, I missed it, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it, it's hard for me to watch golf on tv i like to play it but it's hard for me to watch it i, I struggle with that um yeah I, I actually i feel much the same way i mm. don't watch sports on tv mm. as a 
I don't even watch TV generally, yeah. but I certainly don't watch sports. I never have gotten into it. I can watch a little bit of golf mm-hmm. and I like seeing their swings. And sometimes I like watching their putting, but probably yesterday, the amount of the masters that I watched is more than I've watched in probably the last five years, like all combined together. Was there something about yesterday's masters that was really like compelling or not? It wasn't, I just thought, Oh, you know what? I think the masters is on. Well, Mm. plus it was on, uh, I think CBS, which is not, you know, that's one that, and the cable package that Jan has, she gets that. Mm Mm-hmm. She didn't get the golf channel, which most of the tournaments are on the golf channel. And so, but she gets, of course, CBS. So I said, Oh, why don't I just turn it on and watch it? And then I watched a little bit of it and it became fairly interesting to see. I think that, so this can lead in um, to what you were saying, Saide. You said you were a visual learner when we were there out at the golf course. And what happens for a lot of people who are visual learners is they watch a tournament. And then when they go out to play, like either that day or the next day, they play a lot better because they are visual learners. They see that and it's the mirror neurons like, oh, yeah, I can move like that. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience? Is that when you say you're a visual learner, is it like that? Or what does it mean for you to be a visual learner? Well, first of all, visual learner, um, I was just thinking of, um, you know, when you're learning um actually the written material some people uh, like to listen because by listening they can absorb but i have always noticed that i have to see it like when i um want to study i have to see the words i can listen to audio not that audio doesn't help because we all have sort of combination of three types of learning, which is visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. But some people have the strongest in um, kinesthetic or audio, uh, auditory, or visual. I've learned to know that I'm visual learner. I have to see to learn. But kinesthetic, obviously, is when your hands is in it. So, for example, when you guys gave me the club and told me to play, that's basically kinesthetic because you are having your hands in the whatever you are doing, which in that case was playing the golf. But visual is exactly what you said. I was watching Jen, how she holds the club, how she bends the knee, how she swings. So that's the visual part. But kinesthetic is when you basically get to do it. So when you gave me the club, that was kinesthetic. And I was learning while I was um, doing it. So that's kinesthetic. And then audio is when before on the show, you guys were talking about hitting the ball, swinging. And when you were talking about swinging, I didn't practically know which part are you talking about the swing uh, you probably visually you knew what you're talking about but for me swinging was just hitting the ball that's a swing to me too but your swinging was um, you know taking your arms all the way back and then going back this way so basically what I'm saying is auditory was what I was listening to you guys talking about golf a visual was when I was watching each of you and especially Jen how to play 
and then kinesthetic was when I held the club and I played. Then are you, so visual, are you more a person inclined to watch YouTube videos to learn or read a book in order to learn? Uh, in the case of a sport, probably because it's doing something, it would be better to uh, watch a video or watch a person play rather than reading about it. But then when I actually watch the video or watch people play, if I read about it, it's in addition. So it helps. Or if you guys talk about it from now on, when you talk about golf, swinging, hitting, the tee that you put the ball on it, and all of those elements of golfing, now I know what you're talking about. But if I wasn't in the field watching you or playing, I didn't know none of this. I could imagine in my own imaginary you know, mind, but not really uh, being able to know what you're talking about. Okay. So you are primarily, you would primarily be a video watcher and reading is supplementary. Yes, absolutely. Alex, and, how about and you? audio would help too. Not that it doesn't, but mainly these factors help. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of similar in that, that sense. Like I kind of need to see it and then I want to try and then get some feedback to kind of adjust and correct. So it's, it's something I need to kind of get an idea of first visually. Uh, that's something I know about myself too. I am a very visual learner in that way. Um, but yeah, if I hear about it too, probably same way supplementary, but I'll, I'll kind of act out each step in my mind. Like I envision myself doing that or I want to practice that. So yeah, it's very similar. What about you, Daniel? Do you, what's your approach to learning? I am a book learner. Books preferred for me. Like when somebody says, here's a YouTube video, I think, God, I don't want to labor through a stupid video. Just mm -hmm. give me the text and I'll read it. Mm -hmm. Which it's probably helpful if somebody is demonstrating a particular motion. But if they're talking to me on the video, like I I'd just rather read it because I can read it faster than they're talking usually. And and then I can reread it and think, okay, how does this work and how does that work? For me, what works best is reading it and then trying it out and then going back and reading it and trying it out and reading it, thinking about it, trying it out. Mm -hmm. And that cycle, those iterations, that's what has always worked best for me. Like with baking and I don't really do much cooking, but baking breads and pastries. I like the book. I like reading the book. And some people like will look online. I like the book because it's there. It's always there. I can come back to it. I learn what they're saying and how they're thinking and be able to reproduce that. I think so that, that makes sense. I mean, you've talked about your kind of technical background as far as kind of early in your career. Yeah. And so I, I would say it's not, I don't think that's yeah. too much of a stretch. Yeah. I think one direction I'd like to, or Saida, did you have something to say? I just wanted to say uh, maybe in different topics, when you were talking about baking, for example, a lot of times I've noticed I read about how you do certain um, pastry or certain, you know, cakes. And when I read it and I see the ingredients, I have something in mind. Um, so I've read it already. But then when watch when I watch the video, it makes a lot more sense after, you know. So I'm just thinking in different maybe content, 
combination of different type of, um, you know, part of learning may be different. You know, uh, for example, for playing a sport, you have to have, I mean, at least for me, my hands in it to, to learn. Like if you explain to me how you play volleyball, yes, we have seen it. We know how people play, but you have to give me the ball to play. So that's kinesthetic in that regard, because I am really doing it with the tool. But then when it comes to, let's say, baking, I have to read first. I have to understand the ingredients and, um, you know, sort of, it seems like it's different. For me, I have to first read, learn about ingredients and just sort of have some introduction about how you do this. Then if I watch the video, it makes more sense. So I'm just thinking maybe with different content, you switch from one type of learning to another type of learning. My thinking is that it's probably a mistake to just land on one, say to say, oh, I'm this kind of learner. Yeah. I'm a visual learner or I'm a kinesthetic learner, or I'm an auditory learner. The reality is we're mixtures of all of those, probably in different combinations, different quantities. Absolutely. But we probably use all of those to some extent. I agree. I totally agree. There's some, in my experience with kids, there's some kids that are totally kinesthetic. They have to have their hands. They don't understand as much as you explain, as much as they, they see, they have to really do it. And I've noticed that. But they're small percentage. But in general, you're right. Most people have combination of auditory, visual, and kinesthetic in them. And in different content, things switch around. But there's a small percentage in my experience that um, I would say maybe um, autistic or ADHD or, you know, um, people who have difficulty with learning specific topics. Those are the ones kinesthetic help them a lot. And... Um, yeah. So. Okay. So we started off the program by uh, delving into the Masters, which is a go annual golf tournament held in Augusta, Georgia. Very quickly went into this area of how we are learning the psychological aspects of learning. Let's take a break now, and when yeah. we come back, we'll pick back up on the Masters. Of course, yes. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من سعیده ملک افسالی هستم به همراه دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندر رادی روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم ما دیروز در زمین گلف بودیم و اگر گوش کرده باشیم به ما ما ریپورتمون رو راجب زمین گلف و چجوری من داشتم گلف یاد میگرفتم از طریق کمک دوتا همکارام و امروز ما دنباله صحبتمون رو راجب یاد گرفتن گلف و اینکه ما چه نوع آموزنده هستیم و چون گذشته من همش توی ادویکیشن بوده ما داشتیم راجبین صحبت میکردیم که چطوری آدم یاد میگیره بعضی از آدما باید حتما عملی انجام بدن یه کاری رو تا یاد بگیرن بعضی یا باید راجبش بخونن بعضی یا باید راجبش بشنون بر صورت برمیگردیم بعد از بریک در خدمتون هستیم با ما باشید سرنوشت را با 
باید از سر نوشت شاید این بار کمی بهتر نوشت آشقی را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi, and we continue our conversation regarding learning how to play in general or learning anything. Um, we, if you just turn on your radio and you're listening to us, uh, we talked about the type of learning um, we each um, are. And then also um, we talked about how specifically in a sport, we learn or how we change our learning style in different content. And we talked about um, kinesthetic learning. We talked about visual or, uh, or auditory learning. Um, and we also each talked about what kind of learner we think we are. I want to move on to the area of emotional learning. And we can do that through looking at some of what happened at the master's. For those who don't know, a bit of quick history, which I just learned from Alex, is that the Masters was started in 1934, and the Masters is 365 acres of land in or near Augusta, Georgia. <clears throat> it was started by the famous golfer Bobby Jones, and they wanted to create some tournament that was an invitational tournament for all these really super good golfers. That it eventually became known as the Masters. It's the first full week in April each year. And so what that means is that this place is all the flowers are in bloom and it's this private country club. And I was had the great privilege to go there a few years ago for the opening part of it. And this is a beautiful golf course. And I was there on the day when there was just a practice round starting but this thing has been manicured and it is immaculate. And this is no joke. I'm not kidding. When I say I walked out onto this course and I looked to see if I could see even one blade of grass that might be yellow instead of green. And I saw none like this place was nice. It was really, and they had it organized. I mean, the restrooms and the lines and food lines and the, all the shops, this, they knew what they were doing and they had it organized and they moved people through. So there was a lot of people, but it, things moved pretty fast. Anyway, last this past weekend was the Masters for 2022. And it was interesting to watch. The leader was ahead by about, I think, seven strokes. And then somebody was coming up behind him and was getting close in contention and this guy, his name is Cameron Law. 
hit the ball and it was near this one hole that's in the far corner of the course. And there's a little creek that runs or kind of a, a little body of water, let's say, just before the green. And he hit the ball and he was moving in. He was able to get beginning to get close to this leader. But when he hit the ball, he didn't make it onto the green. They dropped in the water. And it was very interesting. They showed a close-up of his face after he hit the ball. And as he was watching the ball, as it was coming down, and then when it hit the water, because you couldn't tell from where he was where he was standing, whether it was going to go on the green or in the water. But when he when it hit the water, you could see him just like just close his eyes, like, oh, you know, it was such a disappointment. It was very painful to see that. The point that I want to bring up here for us to discuss is this emotional learning or emotional quotient that we often talk about EQ in psychology. And so he was naturally disappointed. But what do you do with that afterwards? How do you recover? How do you keep going? I've played golf with some people who have gotten so angry that they um some of them are like screaming swear words like pretty loud like people probably a couple holes over could could hear it and i've played golf with some people who get so angry that it was difficult just to ride in the cart with them because you can to me i can feel that angry energy when i'm playing golf i don't want to have to modulate somebody else's angry energy i'm trying to focus on my game that's what I'm working to do. So anyway, the EQ, emotional quotient or emotional learning. Alex, what do you have to say about EQ? Do you think golf is a good way to learn about or improve one's EQ? I think most sports are actually. Golf, oh. uh, yeah, golf being one where I think I might have mentioned this to Side A the other day, maybe you. I always think golf is a game against ourselves more so than anybody while you are playing against other people. And like you mentioned, the idea of this guy catching up, which means he's probably hitting better, which means less strokes, which means his score is improving. And so there's a, a, a lower gap in their score. So he's catching up as far as them being close in score. But th what that entails is you as an individual focusing on your game, focusing on how you're hitting. Uh, and so, uh, you know, because I can hit perfectly or, or, or near perfectly, but you could be having a better game. And I, my behavior does not affect your game. You know, golfers aren't yelling at each other. They, they often tell you to be quiet. You have to whisper. You, you can't talk at all. And so it's not about distracting somebody else, which in other sports, you know, basketball, you're right in the other person's face. You're swinging your arms. You know, you can potentially distract a person while they're trying to do that. <laughs> but golf, we don't do that. So you're playing yourself. And I, I think that's why people get so mad in that because you have nobody but to blame yourself. And I find in life and especially in psychology, we are harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And so games like this, you get really upset, really frustrated. I, I find myself golf pool is another one where I, I find that's a game you play kind of against yourself. I, I've been that person at times kind of yelling and cussing at myself, you know, because I'm not doing something that I want to do, or I'm not performing in the way that I want to. I don't think I've ever gotten mad at somebody else. Like, I'll oh, be quiet over there. Like, you know, you might just out of frustration, start trying to, you know, get mad at everybody. But it is one that I find you learn a lot about yourself emotionally 
when it comes to these games that you're kind of playing yourself. You're the biggest challenge, uh, the biggest hurdle to performing in the way you want to. Isn't ego involved in uh, this when you're describing this whole thing, emotional intelligence? Um, because I think understanding your feelings partly is ego involved as well, because your feelings sometimes is, you know, especially when you were describing Dan regarding the master and then that um, ball that went to the water and then looking at the face, that disappointment it's not, I'm not sure. You have to actually check it with the person. But I always feel like in front of other people, or maybe the video is showing the world how you played. I mean, how could ego not be involved in that? Or if, if you and I or Alex are playing um, not against each other, even playing against ourselves, but as we know that two other people are watching, you basically want to be in your best, you know. So I partly feel like the ego is involved. I think it is. I, a lot of times it's the ego is involved in the sense that we may think we play better than we actually play. For a lot of us, a lot of people in golf, what happens is if you might play a good round, and I saw this actually just like last within the last year for me, I played like a for me what was a wonderful nine hole score. And I and it, it played really pretty easily for me. It was easily the best I had played probably ever in my life. And it just happened and it happened really easily. And I began to think like, oh, wow, you know, this really isn't all that hard. It's pretty easy. And I began to believe that this was how I could always play. And it, I think it is that I could always play that way, but I am not at that level yet. So a lot of times we get really, people get really angry because they think they are better than they actually are. They think they may be as good a player as their best time that they've played, or even worse, that they're a better player than they have ever played. And then they get mad when they don't hit the right shots. And you'll see this in some of the golf instruction. They say, you know, and somebody's getting mad. The reality is, hey, you're just not that good. It's not a problem with your club. It's not a problem with the course. It's you. You're just not as good as you think you are. And that's the truth there. Alex, you have comment there? So you're laughing at that. Yeah. I, well, along those lines, I agree. I think that could be a part of it too. But I think there's, it's coming to terms with that's how, like your average in that way. Like I, I can play, like I play pool a lot more than I play golf. And I can tell you on average, I'm a good pool player. I'm not great, but I'm a good, which means I'm going to have some good games. I'm going to have some not so good games, uh, but on average, I'm going to do okay. And so, and I think it's, it's recognizing where you are on average so that when you do have a good game, you could own it, appreciate that, really kind of soak it in. But then when you have a not so good day, you don't obsess about it. And that emotion doesn't get the best of you. I'll tell you, there was a, what was it? Last week I went and played a golf or an excellent golf, excuse me, a pool. I was just off. I was off. I was making, I wasn't making shots I should have made. Uh, I, I was just not you know, performing in the way that I want to. Yeah, I was annoyed, but I didn't get mad or really, really angry because you know what? I knew that, you know what? There's other times that I'm going to perform well. 
uh, I played once over the weekend and I was actually doing really good. And so it's like, there's this range of where you are, this average of where you are. And so I think when it's good, take it in, accept it, embrace it. You know, we don't have to overinflate our ego or our pride and be like, oh man, I am really great now. Like, look, that other time must have been nothing. It's like, no, you're going to perform at a certain level. And with golf too, you know, recognizing, and I think the important thing too, with most sports, their skills, their skills that we can continue to hone and improve. Now, I didn't think that's the difference between being somebody who plays it recreationally or socially and somebody who plays it professionally, where that's beyond like their level of skill and their average is really good. It's, it's that game you played, Daniel, but probably when they're not even trying to play that well. Well, I think that game, that one that I was playing, they play better than that. <laughs> I think the key, yeah, the key as you're talking, I'm thinking is you're not as good as your best game and you're not as bad as your worst game. Exactly. You're probably somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Um, I was going to say when Alex, you mentioned um, some people play professionally, some people just play for fun. I think if you play professionally, the amount of the stress is really high. It's your profession. So people expectations um, is really high. But if you playing as a hobby and or playing for fun, it's very different. I don't think you're invested so much into doing your best. I mean, everyone wants to do their best, no doubt. But I mean, if the pressure is so much on you if you're playing professionally. Yeah, I think it's a whole different level. Yeah, something that, uh, and again, I think like Daniel was saying, people can make this mistake and think, oh, I'm doing really good. So yeah, I, I could be professional or I am at that level in that way. And then when they don't perform in that way regularly, then that's when you see the anger and the difficulty controlling their emotions. So yeah, I think it's one of those things you can take pride in playing and performing a certain way, but it's important not to be overly prideful because then that's where, you know, that emotion can kind of manifest in those maybe not so healthy ways. And then it probably makes you not want to play the game as much, or like Daniel was saying, people probably don't want to play with you as much. Uh, I've definitely seen that where it's like, okay, this guy gets angry every time he plays. It's like, all right, well, I'm definitely not, you know, riding in his cart. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one to have my whole day of uh, an enjoyable golf game be ruined by somebody's attitude or potential, you know, attitude, just because they're maybe not doing as well. We often talk about uh, regulating our emotions and work um, with our um, behavior. And I think it's a good conversation talking about culture and psychology, um, even with the golf and going through all these um, other conversations that we had. I, I really like to focus on that because we want to um, teach our listeners, if they're listening to us, and if they have issues when they're playing even simple game, because some people are very competitive. Some people take it too seriously. Um, some people have so much pride and their ego is, um, you know, hurt when they lose. How do we really work with our clients, with people that they have a hard time to regulate their emotions when it comes to competition, when it comes to even fun stuff, because I have seen people get so angry over playing card. And, and I've, I've witnessed that with, um, 
you know, people that they're, they're playing cards and then all of a sudden they're yelling at each other. And especially if the two are working, are playing against the other two or a group playing against the other group, if somebody in their team makes a mistake, they all of a sudden get angry and start yelling at the person. So I want to talk about that and maybe we can help our listeners in that. Just to clarify, that's not you who's getting mad, is it, Saide? You're, you're smiling <laughs> no a lot as you say it. You know, Do you I just see yourself ask. in the mirror there. <laughs> no, I I often take this as fun whenever we are playing. I never get angry. I mean, never. They always say, "Don't never say never." Mm-hmm. But I honestly haven't seen myself getting angry over mm-hmm. any sport or game because. Part of what you're doing is having fun, I guess. I mean, you're spending this much time to enjoy, whether it's physically you're trying to build physical health, but in general, your time is valuable, especially you're doing this to do better in life. So, no, uh, thank Mm. you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) I think a first pass, it's important to keep in mind with emotion there are, the way I look at it, there's a couple components. One is the arising of emotion feeling inside us. And I call that the emotional experience. And then the other is the behavioral outward behaviors that we connect with emotion. Or maybe emotional experience is all of that, but we have the feeling inside and we have the actions or behaviors outside as well. Your thoughts on this conceptualization. No, I agree. And I think it's first being able to learn how to recognize what that is internally and even label it and so that we can start to kind of shape it and form it in a way where it doesn't dictate our behavior. But instead, we can say, wait, what am I feeling? Why might I be feeling this? Being able to recognize it. And so we can, that's already starting to process it in my mind. That's a way that we start to navigate that. Because if I find a lot of times when people aren't able to even do that, that emotion can just surge to a point where it manifests in a behavior. And the person feels like there's not a lot of insight into why that happened, or even sometimes what happened, you know, people will say, Oh, I just seen red, you know, so in, in the sporting kind of piece, it might be as I mentioned, when we were talking about golf, maybe pacing ourselves, calming down, refocusing, uh, allowing ourselves even, okay, I made a mistake. Let me kind of tune into myself a little bit. I'm feeling off. I'm feeling frustrated. Let me tune into myself a little bit more. So for this next swing, for example, I can maybe, you know, have a little bit more influence over, you know, was I distracted? You know, am I uh, thinking about somebody else's, you know, golf game? Am I thinking about, you know, I got to hit it right, or I got to hit it well. All those things can influence uh, our our performance within which then influences how we're feeling, which then again can lead to that anger, for example, or frustration starting to circle back all the way around and influence how we're playing the sport. Isn't intellig- uh, emotional intelligence all about that? Understanding your feeling, understanding how to regulate your feeling, how to behave. This is the whole thing about emotional intelligence. So when we say someone has high emotional intelligence, that means they can regulate their feelings. They, they know their feelings first. They know they're angry, they're sad, they're fearful, all of that. But they also, not only they're aware of their feelings, 
and emotions, but also they know how to regulate that. And it doesn't happen unless you practice. You practice, you understand you're practicing. You're angry and you want to say something, but then immediately you stop yourself inside and you go, you know, I better just deep breathe right now. Don't say anything that I'm going to be, um, you know, regretful later. So you just keep working with your mind at that point, which may just take a few seconds. But at that point, this mind is clicking um, back and forth. What should I do? Should I say something? Should I keep it? Should I? And a lot of times you're evaluating the situation. And sometimes you feel like if I don't say anything, it may sound like I didn't get it. But it's just a really tough time to go back and forth and see what is the best action here. Um, so I want to see how you guys uh, think about that. Maybe after the break, when we come back, we continue our conversation. شنبندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من سعید ملک افزالی هستم به همراه دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراری از شرکت توانا ما روزای شنبه و یک شنبه به زبان انگلیسی در مورد موضوعات روانشناسی و فرهنگی صحبت میکنیم صحبتهای ما به صورت صحبت مکالمه های ساده و معمولی هستش ولی در لابلاش خیلی از مسائل روانشناسی و فرهنگی مطرح میشه ما امروز اگر رادیوتون رو تازه باز کردین در دو قسمت اول برنامه راجب گلف صحبت کردیم چون روز گذشته همکارای من به من گلف رو یاد دادن و به من یاد دادن که چجوری من این کلاب گلف رو دستم بگیرم چجوری بزنم امروز راجب همون گلف یاد گرفتم و کلن یاد گرفتم و چنو آموزنده ای ما هستیم شنونده هستیم دوست داریم ببینیم یه چیز رو یاد بگیریم دوست داریم عملا باهاش کار کنیم یاد بگیریم بعدش راجب این صحبت کردیم که چقدر مهمه که ما از نظر احساسی چجوری عکس عمل نشون میدیم و چجوری رفتار میکنیم در مواقع عصبانیت ترس و چون اینها قسمتی از یاد گرفتنه و در این قسمت یک بریک کوتاه میدیم برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم
سنگیدارنه از کجای Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrade, and we continue our conversation regarding our um, behavior, our learning, our reactions, and anything to do with the psychological part of playing sports or games. So here's the question. In terms of playing sports or games, and we get emotionally bent about something, is it more important to try to regulate or control my emotion or my behavior? Which is the most important here? Good question. I think emotions, you have to let it be because that way you want to understand how you are internally reacting to what happens because you don't want to block or keep barrier of how you feel or what are your emotions if you're fearful you have to understand what's going on inside but i guess when you get good at it then behaviorally you learn how to regulate those emotions um i mean sometimes it's okay to show it depending on the situation i mean imagine uh, you're with the closest person and you can talk about it. You can share your emotions. Um, you are at a professional place and you're with a bunch of professionals or work colleagues and people that, uh, yes, you know, but you're not that close to share your emotions. I mean, it's just depending on the situation. All of that, I think, has to be in consideration in order to be able to share part of those emotions. But let's say even if you don't know someone and something happens, sometimes I think it makes sense to just say, you know, what you said right now, it makes me feel, you know, that yeah, whatever, you know, I mean, I mean, it just depends who you're talking to, what situation you're at. Uh, sometimes it's very healthy to show. Sometimes it's very healthy to talk about it. But in general, I think the most important part that counts um, what kind of person you are in different situation is how you handle yourself. I think that's the most important part. Maybe it's cultural. I don't know. I'm just sharing what I personally think. Alex, can you weigh in on this topic? Yeah, yeah great question, first of all. While I think both are important things to navigate, if I'm thinking of it as which one do you need to focus on a little bit more, I think when it comes to sports, I would probably say the behavior. 
And the reason for that is because I find with a lot of different sports, a lot of different games, there are certain techniques, certain strategies to them. And if you focus in on, for example, you know, the right stance, the right posture, the, the you know, focusing on the technique itself, when you start to strengthen that behavior, you can feel like, okay, I'm taking the necessary steps, I'm doing the right things. You start to accept, I think, the outcome a little bit more. And that may be that you're performing well or, you know, you're not doing as well as you want, but you know, you're honing in on the, the piece that's important to that game because we could feel good all we want when it comes to the sports. But if we're not doing the right thing as far as behavior, it's not going to matter because we're going to end up probably getting, getting more and more frustrated. It's like, oh, I'm in a great mood. I'm just going to swing without really thinking about it. And it's like, okay, well, then eventually that good mood is going to probably be impacted. But if we can say, you know what, let me focus on my behavior. Let me focus in on technique. Even if we don't perform well, you could say, you know what, may have been one of those days, wasn't happening the way that I'd hope, but it was good practice to really focus in on the part of the sport that I can strengthen and build in that way. And so, and I find even too, it's sometimes even stepping away for a minute. I've had to put the club down, take my glove off, sit down for a minute, drink some of my coffee or water and just think about like, okay, what am I, what am I, what's going on here? Sun's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm not focusing in on the way that I need to do this technique or I'm maybe feeling away. Let's, let's go back to basics. Let's put the glove on. Let's start with my feet, my stance, my position. Let's focus on the behavior so I can feel maybe how I want to feel knowing I'm taking the steps that I need to. So again, both are important. I'm not just trying to counter what Saide is saying, but I think it's sports. It's a little unique in that way where we focus in on the behavior. Can it be okay to break your club in frustration? Oh, yes, definitely. Throwing it is much more preferred as far <laughs> as you can with your left hand, though, with your left hand to right, strengthen the form. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is a next instruction. So when you're mad, just throw your club as far as you can and then start just yelling at your instructor <laughs> oh there you go yeah yeah <laughs> daniel what the hell <laughs> what are you thinking outside uh, what do you think do you think it is okay to break your club or throw your club in frustration not at all i don't not think so no 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 you know seriously this is i you guys I don't know how you feel, but I honestly feel this is silly. You get that angry over something that is not death and life. You know what I mean? That you throw things, you break things. No, that's but too much. Well, no. but, but the real, yeah, the real question is, but has Daniel done it though? That's the question. Cause I feel like this is, this question is coming from a place, Daniel, have you thrown your club or thrown it down even, or, uh, Put it away, you know, back in, in, put it away roughly, any of those things? That's great question. You prefer not to answer? Uh, <laughs> see where you're headed with that. Your mind, you have a crafty mind and you're like trying to track down. What's, where did Dan come up with this idea? The origins, yes. I have not yet ever broken a club 
Yeah. I have Thank not. God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I have not I, ever. My heart was pounding at this point. <laughs> thrown a club. I have hit the ground, like not not trying to swing and hit the ball, but I have hit the ground with my club before. That's okay. I mean, we don't, we don't count against you. That's <laughs> that's a little okay. Do you know, this is related, but not uh, exactly related, that some of the golf instructors will have people throw their clubs when they're practicing their swing, not for the point of anger management, oh. but that they throw it at that point in the swing in which they should have achieved maximum speed. And the reason they have them throw their clubs at that, and it's like the downward left part, is because that's where you should be have maximum force of the hit. Oh, okay. That's acceptable. That, that <laughs> type of club throwing you count as acceptable. Well, that's part of the instruction. So that would be okay. But seriously, back to the anger piece. Sometimes you get angry at yourself. You may just stump your feet on the ground. You may just hit the ground. I mean, those are a natural reaction. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about when you go overboard, then that shows that you're really, you know, not taking this too seriously. I mean, it is good to take things in some ways seriously, but when you're playing a sport, isn't that partly for fun and using that time to enjoy while you're doing your hobby? When we talk about you know, different situations, professional work, a hobby, fun. And so, you know, your emotions, uh, talking about the intelligence, um, emotional intelligence brings all this to my mind that it's not professional. It's not something that you're taking too seriously. It's not your, um, you know, basic um, butter and bread, it's just having fun while you are trying to improve your, let's say, skills, your um, learning something, but it's not that serious to get angry. I mean, the way I see it maybe is different. Maybe, um, you know, again, I'm going to go back to gender thing, which I know some of you don't agree, but I feel like, you know, Men may react differently than women. Men may take some of the things uh, in the world outside because they want to show up their strength. They want to show their skills. So um, I'm going to throw this out there and I want to see what you guys think. I'm going to throw this club out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alex, what do you think? Dan's going to do a mic drop right now and just throw his mic down. Be honest and, and say, what don't oh. you think men sometimes take this sport more seriously and is part of their ego to show off their skills? In short, yeah. I think men are conditioned to kind of show a lot of things more physically than mm -hmm. uh, yeah. emotionally or verbally. And so I think that does and can bleed over into even things that are meant to be fun. So um, like Daniel said, I, you know, like I mentioned, I haven't played golf in a while, but when I'm playing pool, I've gotten upset and slammed the, you know, the end of my, my, uh, my cue down uh, on the ground a couple of times out of frustration. 
Um, but yeah, uh, it, it is one of those things where I think it's, I don't want to say hardwired, but it's socialized in us maybe to, to act on that a little bit more. Um, but I think it is something that is also a skill that can be learned that you don't always have to act on that. You can learn to regulate that. You can express that emotion in other healthier ways, constructive ways. Um, but yeah, there's a level where, again, I think it's very natural for us to huff or stomp our feet or, you know, kind of maybe slam something down a little bit. But yeah, it's one of those things where if that is the predominant way that you're dealing with that frustration, uh, it's probably going to lead to not so good interactions, both around others. And then also too, like that, that starts to become the way you deal with that frustration or the way you deal with those challenging emotions. Yeah. So it's okay to whiff. It's okay to whiff. We're going to whiff, but yeah, we don't want to throw our club unless our trainer and instructor has uh, allowed us to do so as in, in, in strength of our skill. Yeah. I have an interesting theory here, which I have uh, proved to myself actually is true, but not, I think actually it is to some extent is exemplified in one of the Rumi poems. But it is the idea that the problem with things like anger, that emotion, experience of anger, is that we resist feeling that emotion. And because we're resisting it, it builds up and then it erupts in this physical display. Wow, very philosophical. I have to think about this. This was great, great statement. I have an example for myself when I was, I think I mentioned this before, down in Acapulco on a, a golf trip. Mm. And I had started to get irritated at the check-in process at the hotel. And I thought, oh, I just need to go play golf in order to, it was a golf trip, to just relax a little bit. And when I hit the first ball, it was a hard slice right, which just made me even more irritated. And I just thought like, no, this is not going to happen. And I went up to hit the ball hard again, like... You know, I'm going to take it out on the ball. And it was a worse shot, the second shot. And I realized very quickly, I said, whoa, this isn't even the first night here. And if this is how my trip goes, I'm going to have wasted a lot of money and a lot of time on what's supposed to be fun. So I started this movement that, and this was according to the Rumi poem, Guest House, that every time I would swing and hit the ball, I would welcome whatever emotion arose in me i would welcome it not resist it but welcome it and really like uh, approach it as i would a friend welcome it and try to find out what did it what was it like and let it be there not act it out that's a totally separate thing but just to welcome it and feel it and i did that and i did that every shot and over the few days that really transformed my experience on the golf course, as well as my ability to handle frustration and irritation. It was a very, it was a very important part in my life. Like that, I will always remember. And I think, Dan, now that you mentioned this, and as you were talking, I was taking it in a deeper level in me. Uh, there are times that you get anger, angry. But the, you have to really think about why am I getting angry? It may get back to you yourself and something that you can discover about you. Because a lot of time, these emotions are messages that if we look at them deeper, you find more about yourself 
Um, so it is really, really interesting to um, really, yes, uh, accept I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm fearful, I'm not courageous. But then all of that gives you a message about you, the why. And then if you have time to dig deeper, then it is that moment that you can have self-awareness, more self-awareness. But how many of us take time to even think deeper? Yeah, very. I completely, yeah, I completely agree with that side. I definitely, it's something where those emotions can teach us and we can learn from them if we start to look at them that way, even anger. And it's something that I do talk with a lot of uh, patients, uh, a lot of men about, yeah, it's not just a good or bad emotion. There's something potentially informative there that you can learn from and grow from. So let's move into the uh, wrap-up phase here, and I can kick it off. Sure. And so the final message I have is it's pay attention. What does this tell you about yourself? You, It's normal to have disappointment. It's normal for frustration and anger to come up. What do you do with it? That's the key element. Yeah. And I would encourage, you know, focus on the basics. It's always good to go back to basics. If you find that you're struggling, having some difficulty, just focus on those core pieces of the game, the sport, and, and trying to kind of start from there. We don't always have to, I think, uh, you know, we talked about it a couple of times, you don't have to swing harder. You don't have to try harder sometimes. That just ends up kind of getting in the way versus kind of focusing on the basics, your skill, the technique. Uh, that's something you do have in your control. That is something you can influence, kind of start from there. And um, I really like that ending part that Dan brought um, to our conversation regarding the Rumi Point uh, guest house our body is a holder of so many emotions. We have to um, understand it. We have to accept it. And then they're going to, like a guest, move out. Um, they stay there maybe for a few seconds, for moments, days, and then they leave us. But the message we get from that is important. And usually the message is about us. It's not about what happened or who caused that. It's the message because I believe we are, we have come to this world to grow. We're not here to just spend time and then our time is gone. We are here to grow mentally, emotionally, um, personally. So part of our growth is getting deeper into ourselves and realizing our own reactions and our own behavior and work on that. So with that, I want to wish everyone a wonderful rest of the Sunday and uh, thank my friends, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers, especially for instructing me playing golf. And I hope I can continue and become a player with them. So um, have a wonderful Sunday and the week ahead.
تو روزی راز این بازی بدانیم نکته لحظه های زندگی چون موج دریاست گرچه سرد و سخت زیباست موج این دریا گرد از سر سرنوشتت سر گذاشتم در فراز بلیه باور سفر کن خود را با سر کن حافظ پای کوبان و غزر خان لشکر غم را به Sun.